0: great name of Jesus. That's why we're here today. We're not here for a church, a denomination, for a program. We're here for the great name of Jesus. Wasn't that a powerful story? Wasn't it true? Our God saves. Our God delivers. Our God protects. Mike, our God heals. Amen? That's the great name of your God. I I love the fact that God puts services together. Scott and the team do such a great job. I've been traveling all week, and and he and I had talked, but I didn't know she was going to do that story and and talk about uh, what God had done in her life in that way. But the Lord has a way of putting things together, doesn't He? And so let's continue on what you've already been singing and hearing today. And let's talk about truth. We've been in this series about the truth, the doctrines of the faith. And that's not just to to make you believe what this church believes. As I said weeks ago, it's not that statement, doctrine divides. No, doctrine doesn't divide. Truth brings us, anchors us at the feet of the throne of Jesus, doesn't it? And we've got to know what we believe so that we can know His great name and His great power. And so that's why we've been going through the doctrines. Pilate asked one day, what is truth? What, Veritas, what is truth? And the irony was he was looking at truth, Jesus, who had said earlier in his ministry, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Your word, in John 17, Jesus says to the Father, your word is truth. And so truth is so important in these troubled times, in these stormy times that we live. And so as we continue today, you lost an hour of sleep, it's freezing cold outside, and you didn't get to go to the beach with your friends. So let's talk about spiritual warfare. (laughs) Spirit world, angels and demons. We're going to talk about this, and this is one of those doctrines that is not one of the top tier. It's not a top rank doctrine. It doesn't mean it's unimportant. You won't read a lot about it, even in our Thomas Schrode doctrinal statement. We'll talk about angels, but not much more. The reason is this. It's what we teach today is not about you going to heaven or hell. It's not as important as the teaching of the Bible or Jesus or the Father or the Spirit. But make no mistake. That the teaching of the Bible on angels and demons is important. Matter of fact, the Word talks 270 times at least about the spirit world. And so we should know something about it. There are two ditches on this topic that you've got to stay out of. Most topics, there's two extremes, right? One ditch to stay out of is kind of the, I say too much about angels and demons, Angels and demons are very popular. There's a lot of folk theology out there, which means bad teaching. There's a lot of memes and GIFs or GIFs and stories on Facebook. And there's comic books and and happy thoughts and little plaques that say things about angels. There's all kinds of bad teaching. We say too much about angels. And people see angels and demons everywhere. um, And and it's all the time. Uh, They are active. And matter of fact, I have to admit, I I do have to admit that I've seen an angel. I have seen an angel. Do you believe me? Yeah. yeah um, Matt, go ahead and put the picture up there. See, it's a, it's an angel. See, it's Roma Downey. <laughs> Touched by. A... Never mind. Just forget y'all. <laughs> the young, the young folks going, who's that? Do the Google on it. You'll find out. But there's a lot of TV shows about angels and how they interact. So be careful one ditch is that you say too much. The other ditch for some of us is to say too little, to not say anything about demons and angels. Well, I I don't know. Do we even believe in that kind of stuff? Both ditches are dangerous. And so we're going to look at what the word, the word keeps us out of the ditches. The truth keeps us on the way. And so if you want to read, there's a lot of scriptures I'm going to hit today. We're going to fly fast like an angel, okay? And on your app, the passages are there, and I want you and your life groups to dig deeper into it, but I'll give you kind of the 30,000-foot the view. Also, if you want to really dig into some scriptures, there's three Bible books that really talk a lot about spirit world, Genesis, Luke, and Revelation. And if you want to read back through those, you're going to see a lot about how angels and demons Act and Interact. Psalms 103. Bless the Lord, all his angels of great strength, who do his word, obedient to his command. Bless the Lord, all his armies, his servants, who do his will. Let's take some of the top FAQs about angels and demons. I actually asked my staff, and they asked some of you, and these were some of the top questions that came up. Number one, what are they? What are angels and demons? Well, very, very simply... They are spirit servants of God, spirit servants of God. We see that from what we just read, Psalms 89, Hebrews 1. They are spirit servants. They serve God, and as we'll see, they actually do also from Hebrews. They serve the saints, the ones who are participating in salvation. Number two, how did they originate? Where did they come from? Well, simply, the same way all of us got here, they were created, Everything that exists in the universe, as Pastor Jonathan talked about last week, was created by God during the creation week, and they were created as well. Psalms 146 and Job 38. It seems to be that they are there, the sons of God, they're they're singing along as the morning stars are being created there in Job, and so it, it looks as if they're there. And uh, there's a lot of them. How many are there? We don't know. Uh, there's uh, you know, millions or billions or trillions. We don't know, but there's a lot of them. There's a huge number. We know that some of them, the, they originate, they, were, they all started there, but of course there are good angels and bad angels. And the bad angels, what we'll talk about shortly, demons, they came from uh, a few days later or a few hours or a few weeks, we don't know. But in a short time before Genesis 3, there was one spectacular angel, a a spectacular cherubim uh, who's called the morning star, Lucifer, and his pride got the best of him. And he rebelled against God and wanted to be like God, and so God kicked him out of heaven But he was able, uh, Revelation 12 kind of hints at this, he was able to grab about a third of the angels that fell, and they went with him. And so there is a two to one. There are two good angels to each one bad angel, uh, and there are huge numbers of them. Luke chapter 20, Jesus tells us that they live forever. They began at a point in time like you and I did, but they will go on throughout eternity As we will, either in judgment or in uh, enjoying the fellowship and the glory of God. Number three, what kinds of angels are there? Lots of different types of angels. As we said, there are fallen angels. They are called demons, they are called unclean spirits, evil spirits, seducing spirits, wicked spirits throughout the Bible. Evidently, they can't repent. Uh, Sadly, uh, they've made their choice, their choice, their invitation time at Thomas Road was uh, back at the beginning of time before Genesis 3, and once they made their decision to follow the devil, they cannot uh, turn back, and so their uh, fate is locked in. Some of them are already chained. Uh, The Bible says that some are, are already in judgment because of some special attacks that they were a part of, that we'll mention in a moment. And that's from Luke chapter 8, 2 Peter 2, and Jude 6. There are archangels. These are the ones that you hear, and these are the ones a lot of times in the bad theology, the folk theology, Uh, quaint stories and songs and movies and things about Michael and Gabriel, these are spectacular angels. They are like the five star generals that lead the armies. Michael in Daniel and Jude in Revelation, this boy is always fighting. This Michael is always leading the charge, and he's up against the devil, and they're back and forth, a lot of action. Gabriel is in Daniel as well. Daniel gets to meet a lot of great angels, let me just say. But then he's the one that gets to bring the Christmas story to Elizabeth and Zechariah and Mary and the shepherds and possibly Joseph and the wise men. He's there giving the messages. So Michael and Gabriel. And then there are cherubim cherubim angels. And we read about these starting right in Genesis 3, right there at the Garden of Eden. They're the ones that are, are posted to keep Adam and Eve from trying to sneak back into the garden and eat from the tree of life, now that they've eaten from the tree of good and evil. And live forever in their sin, and God posts cherubim right there so they can be stopped. It's the cherubim in Exodus chapter 25 that are carved into gold on the the, the hood of the of the of the ark and the, the the different types of altars there. But Ezekiel chapter 1 and chapter 10, man, that's some spectacular reading. It is bizarre. You need to read Ezekiel chapter 1. The cherubim, there are wings and flashing lights and colors and animal faces and wheels inside of wheels and gyroscopes. scopes. And these cherubim, they're just floating all over the place. So much so that some Bible students have said, I wonder if those are UFOs, you know? Uh, There are some things in the night skies that pilots and trained people have seen that say we have no understanding of what those lights and orbs and things are. Could they be angels? Could they be cherubim? We don't know. It's kind of strange, what would be the purpose of God exposing and letting some of the cherubim be seen and flashing all over the night sky? Don't know. Seraphim, Isaiah chapter 6, this is that famous story of woe is me, I am undone, and he sees the glory of God in the throne room, but Isaiah there sees these six winged creatures, right? Two wings cover their face in the presence of God, two wings fly, and two wings cover their feet, and they say repetitiously forever and ever, what do they say? Holy Holy, holy. And then there are living creatures. These are, again, special angels. There's four of them in Revelation chapter 4, 5, and 6. They're in the throne room that John sees in front of the 24 elders, and he sees this spectacular vision. They might be cherubim. There's some similarities, but one of them is like an ox, and one of them is like a man, and one's like an eagle, and one's like a lion, so they're very powerful. And then there's ruling angels. There are different ranks of angels. Paul and Peter make it very clear that there are different ranks of the armies. And we've sung about armies, and we're going to sing about the host in a little bit. But Jacob sees the armies of angels camped around him as he goes before he meets Esau. Paul and Peter tell us that there are authorities and powers and dominions and rulers and thrones. In other words, there's army organization in the angels and in the demons, And so there's all types of rankings there. Guardian angels. Are there guardian angels? Well, Matthew chapter 18, Jesus says, Be careful the way that you teach, treat children, because their angels are always in the presence of the Father, and so you better watch out. Uh, Hebrews chapter 1 tells us that the angels are are servants also of those who love God and who are participating in salvation, us. Now, does that mean you've been assigned one angel? One angel for your whole life? There's nothing in the Bible about that. You say, really? I'm kind of disappointed. I had my my angel named and everything. Um, You better be careful. That might be a demon, all right? But you probably have a bunch of angels. and And looking at the way some of you live and drive, you probably got a lot of angels on you. But there are angels that guard. Number four, are they dead people? Are they dead people? It's angels. I hear something banging around in the kitchen at night. I think I saw something flutter. I see dead people. <laughs> Let me help you out.
1: No, you don't.
0: <laughs> Angels and demons are real. You may have seen that, but you didn't see dead people. I hear banging around in the kitchen. That must be my dead grandma. She's, in a, she, she's out there and she's angry because we didn't have her over for, for Sunday dinner enough. And so she's, she's mad. No, she's not. Uh, I'm zipping around on Liberty property trying to find a parking spot to teach over there and there's no parking spots and all of a sudden, a parking spot opens up. That must be my dead dad, Harold Wilmington, just flying around with his wings around Liberty and he's just pushing cars out of the way, you know? No, he's not, okay? I can't picture my dad with wings anyway, okay? Now, angels and demons are angels and demons. Dead people are either in heaven or hell, temporary. We know from Luke chapter 16, uh, Jesus talks about this, and he says that people are either, uh, we read about Abraham and Lazarus are there, and the rich man is in torment, and they can't go either places. Number five, do they have a special language? Is there angelic languages? Well, 1 Corinthians 13 seems to say yes. He says that if you could learn the angelic languages and speak those, and still didn't have love, what would it matter? But here's what I know is they might speak to in angelic languages to each other. But in the Bible, when angels show up and talk to humans, guess which language they use? The language of the person they're talking to. And I will say this, for some of you who have a great heart, I, don't, I, don't, I trust your heart on this, you've wanted an angelic prayer language, just something that would make me closer to the Lord. If I could just learn another language, let me help you out. It's a good good heart to want to be closer to God. But here's the point. Pray in your own language, and here's why. Jesus died on the cross for you, not angels. Jesus put you in the Father's family, not angels. Why would you think that God, who's done all that for you, precious son and daughter, would want then you have to learn an angel's language so you can talk to your dad in heaven? That's not how it works. Talk to God from your heart. Do they have bodies? Well, they're spirits, so they don't have a permanent body. They are spirits, but they do take on physical bodies at times, and they look like humans at times. They do interact with the physical world. Two uh, angels appeared as men, and they showed up at Abraham's campfire, and then they went down to Sodom to see Lot. They ate food. They walked. They grabbed Lot to pull him back in the house when he was about to be attacked. So they interact with the physical world. Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 22 that angels are not male and female. They're asexual. They're they're not getting married and they're not having babies uh, uh, in their own own bodies. Uh, Usually when they do show up, they do have a man's name, but that doesn't mean a whole lot. There is an interesting passage we can't get into in Genesis chapter 6, though. The Bnei Elohim and the Nephilim, right? You say, yeah. Genesis chapter 6, there's this strange, mysterious story where God's about to wipe out the wickedness of the world, and there's this strange thing where it says the sons of God married the daughters of men, and then there was this this race of giants in the land, Nephilim, the sons of God, the Bnei Elohim. There's a lot of different theories there, but one of, the te- one of the ideas, and there's some good evidence for this, is that these were demon-possessed men who married the daughters of men uh, and, and had babies, and so they're in a human body, but they're in marriage, and they're wicked, and maybe somehow they, they were able to shift around the DNA. Why would they do something like that to produce a, a line of giants? Well, back in Genesis 3, God promised that the savior of the human race would come through the humans and the human savior would stomp on the head of the king of the demons. And so it's possible that angels, fallen angels, did try to disrupt humanity back then. Number seven, do they have limits? Do they have limits? Yes, they have limits, and you better be grateful for that. Uh, They do not have the omnis. They are not omniscient. Uh, Jesus says, they don't know when I'm coming back. They can't be everywhere at once, Daniel chapter 10. They're, they're not all powerful. They have to work together, and God gives them power. Uh, they don't really, we, we don't have indication, but can they read your thoughts? Uh, they're not inside your brain hearing yourself talk, But uh, probably most demons can just size you up and know what you're going to do anyway, right? Listen, these guys are thousands of years old. They've watched humans, billions of humans for a lot of time. They can probably figure out, but but they're not, you know, they're not hiding in your brain. Number eight, can I be possessed or or oppressed? And this is a serious question. We know that people can be possessed because the Bible talks about that. Jesus talked about that. But let me kind of divide it real quick. Lost people, if you are here today or listening and you don't know Christ as your Savior, you are already in the kingdom of darkness. You belong to the devil. And you can be possessed by demons. Now, you can let more in or less in, but you're already chained. You are already in trouble. That's why you need salvation today. And so, yes, lost people can be possessed. But saved people, we are blood-bought in the family of the Father, and we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And so there's not room for light and darkness in there, and you belong, Colossians says, you've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's Son. But what you can be, though, Christian, be careful, you can be oppressed. And it can feel like possession. Uh, you can open the door and let the devil in. And so be careful. Ephesians 4, Paul says this. He says, watch out. Don't give a place to the devil. In other words, don't keep the door open. The devil's at the door. Don't let him open. Don't let him in. Through the things you stream and you watch, the friendships that you have for you young people in here or for, for you old people, the people that you hang out with, what you're listening to, what you're meditating on, don't let the devil get into the house. Number nine, do they cause illness? Well, yeah, that was a powerful story by Chrissy, wasn't it? Do they cause illness? And the answer is yes, sometimes. Physically, all through the Gospels, we see a lot of occasions where demons caused all kinds of physical ailments. Do they cause mental illness? Yes, sometimes. First Samuel 16, Saul was being tormented by a demon, and he was causing anger and fits of rage, and he was jealous, and he was depressed, and he was down, and they brought David in to play music to try to lift him back up. So yes, the devil The devils can do that kind of stuff. So those of you who are not used to talking about angels and demons, I want to encourage you. There are times when you are praying, when you're praying for sick family members or people in your life group, you ought to pray, God, if there's demons here, drive them away. Lord, would you please push that back, this demon of a disease? Yes. There's times to ask God for that. But be careful, because not every disease is from a devil, is it? She read you, she quoted John chapter 9, where some people are sick just to give God the opportunity to show His glory. Not every time you have a sniffle doesn't mean that it's Satan. You just have to ask the Lord about those things. And those of you, by the way, who have mental illness in here, and some of you do, God can heal you, can't He? And God can give you strength to make it through another day. But be careful because in the old days, there were times where the church folks would say, anybody who has a sickness or anybody who has mental problems, they're filled with the devil. And that's just not true. And so be sure that you know what you're dealing with. Number 10, can I control them? Can I do things with them and make them do what I want? Well, we know that you're not to pray to them. We're not to pray to uh, uh, demons, better not pray to demons. You're not to pray to angels, and you're not to worship angels. Uh, An angel in Revelation 22 made that clear. Are we to bind them and cast demons out? Well, Jesus did give the power to bind and to cast out demons to his disciples throughout the Gospels. But it's interesting, in the rest of the New Testament, Paul and Peter and James and John don't give us a lot of instructions on how to go around casting out demons. Let me help you out with this. You don't need to go looking for them. They're all around you right now, right? So don't be one of these, I'm excited, I'm going to go pray and cast out demons. I would be a little bit more alert and sober-minded than that because they are more powerful in some cases. Uh, They've got wisdom and they've got all types of things. Even Michael, when he was being approached and he's fighting the devil, he didn't say, I'm going to cast you out. He says, the Lord rebuke you. That's in Jude. So be very careful about that. There are times to pray over people. Uh, There was a, a woman in our church that was having demonic attacks, very distinct, crazy kind of things. And she asked several of us and some of us pastors and some of our female counselors. We got together one night in a room right over here. And we read scripture, and she prayed, and we all prayed, and she asked God to deliver her from the devil. And she told the devils to leave her, and we prayed and we did things biblically, and God healed her. Matter of fact, a few weeks later, I had the privilege of baptizing her right up there. So it's real, but don't go to extremes. What about the devil? To be honest, I'm not going to talk much about the devil today. I don't want to give the enemy airtime, right? Here's what you do need to know, though. Everything that I've just said the last few minutes applies to the devil. Why? He's just a spirit like the others. He's bigger and badder, but he is a demon. He is a fallen spirit. Here's what you need to know about him. He is not equal to God. He is finite. He, will, he is defeated, and he will fall and be judged. And if you want to read his bio, you can. Genesis 3, Job 1, Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28, and Revelation 20. So what do angels do? Well, good angels do these four things and the bad angels do the opposite of these four things. Number one, they glorify God. They were created to bring glory to God. So the bad angels do everything they can to take glory away from God to distract from God, to to demystify God, to try to get our attention off of him. Number two, they communicate. They bring messages from God to man. That's all through the Bible, and especially at the Christmas story. They're bringing messages from God. The fallen angels, they bring messages as well, but not from God. They bring lies because their father's the devil. And so as you're driving to work tomorrow morning and be in those 30 minutes of driving... These thoughts are shooting into your head. And by the time you get to work, you've already decided, I'm no good. I'm probably going to lose my job. They're going to find out how bad I am. I'm a bad husband. I'm a bad mom. Uh, I'm a lousy, lousy uh, parent. My kids will never come back to God. Um, Oh, I got a little spot on me. That's probably cancer. You know, it's leprosy. I don't know what. You're, You're thinking all of these things. Have you ever been discouraged like that? That's satanic attack. It's all these thoughts just shooting into your head. And so they are shooting lies, communicating those kind of things. Number three, they minister. They minister. They minister to human beings physically. There are missionary stories where, where some missionary needed to be encouraged and, and somebody brought something to the village and they had a meal with them and they talked and maybe they fixed their truck or they did whatever. And then all of a sudden they look around, this person's gone and nobody in the village knows who that person is. They physically can help minister. They did it with Jesus. At the beginning of his ministry, Jesus had been tempted, right? He was out in in the wilderness. And after 40 days of hunger and fighting the devil and, and standing up to temptation, notice what it says, Then the devil left him, and the angels came and began to serve him. In his weakest spot, the angels were there to help him. But it also happens three years later at the end of his life in the garden of Gethsemane when he's sweating blood, when he's almost to have a, maybe, maybe have a physical breakdown and his friends are asleep and he sees the cross in front of him and he's wrestling with God and he's worn out. I love this little verse. It says, then an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him. God will send the angels in the moments that you need. But then number four, the angels protect us. And if the good angels are protecting us, what does that mean the bad angels are doing? They're attacking, attacking, attacking. They're trying to invade all the time. 2 Kings chapter 6, there's this great story about this wicked nation, the Arameans, and the king of Aramea, and he's trying to attack and invade Israel, and they keep trying to attack, but his plans keep getting exposed, and, and they don't know what to do about it, and he's very upset, and they find out It's Elisha. He's the prophet, the man of God. And he keeps telling the king of Israel what the plans are. And so notice what the king says. So the king said, go and see where he is so I can send men to capture him. When he was told Elisha is in Dothan, he sent horses, chariots, and a massive army there. They went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God got up early and went out, he discovered an army with horses and chariots surrounding the city. So he asked Elisha, "'Oh, my master, what do we do?' Elisha said, "'Don't be afraid, for those who are with us outnumber those who are with them.'" Then Elisha prayed, "'Lord, please open his eyes and let him see.'" So the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and when he saw that the mountain was covered with horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha, it's like this. Set the scene. They're in this town of Dothan, and they wake up one morning, and the servant looks around, and he sees they're surrounded by the armies. There's no way to get out, and he goes in, and he wakes up Elisha. Elisha, wake up, man of God, get up. Master, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? We're surrounded. <clears throat> and Elisha looks and sees the enemy. But what, here's what he says God, Lord, would you please pull the curtain back and show him? And this is what he saw. The Lord pulled it back. And all of a sudden, the servant looked up and he looked above the enemy. And he saw the hills covered with angels, chariots of fire. Where had Elisha seen those before when Elijah went up to heaven? The army of the Lord was surrounding them. They outnumbered the enemy. You see, it's because of Psalms 34-7. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues them. Brothers and sisters, I don't know what kind of week you've had. Matter of fact, I'm going to ask you what kind of week you've had. Have you had spiritual warfare against you this week? Raise your hand. How many of you have had that? My hand is up. I have been in spiritual warfare, very specifically. And it's easy to look at the enemy surrounding us, isn't it? Discouragement, depression, attacks, no way out. And yet, when we get in those attacks, we need to open our eyes. There's a couple things from this lesson. It's pretty simple today. Number one, you need to look out. Look out for the devil this week. By the way, don't be afraid of him. Don't be scared. They're defeated. But watch out for them. Don't be unwise. Don't look at certain things. Look out for the demons this week. Yes. But number two, as you're looking out, look up. Look up and see the glory of God. Look up and see the angels ready to fight on your behalf. And look to the God of the armies, of the angels, who will deliver you. Do you need prayer? How many of you would just say, I need prayer, no heads bowed, no eyes closed. I need prayer this week, church, because I just feel like I'm under a lot of spiritual attack. How many of you would raise your hand and say, please pray for me? Yeah. So we're going to pray for that. I need prayer. Would you pray for me? I need prayer. So let's bow our heads and close our eyes. And by the way, with our heads bowed and eyes closed, our our pastors are going to be down here and our, our prayer counselors. If you've never accepted Jesus as Savior, can I tell you something honest? I'm not trying to scare you. You are already chained by the devil. There is no deliverance if you continue with the devil. Until you come to Jesus Christ for salvation, you will constantly and always be attacked. And I ask you to come to salvation today. Repent of your sins. Believe on Jesus. By faith, call out to him. Come talk and pray with one of these people. But for the rest of us, with our heads bowed, if you need prayer, would you just stand up where you're at? We're not going to come out there, but would you just stand where you're at all over this worship center today? And I want us to pray together. Just stand. That's right. Just stand. If you need spiritual prayer for, against spiritual attacks today, it's okay. We're, we're, this is our family. And for those... God, as my brothers and sisters are standing here today, we need you. God, we need you to deliver us. And we pray for each other. We pray for those standing around us uh, right now. Would you do spiritual battle? God, would you bring healing? Would you bring deliverance? God, let them see the power of the angel armies this week in their lives. And God, will thank you for that. Let's all stand together. And church, we are victorious. Amen. We have victory and I want you to go out with that this week.
2: Tchau, e i your side today and this week. You guys are dismissed.
1: Thank you for worshiping with us today. We're so glad you joined us. If you prayed to receive Christ today, we'd love to hear from you. We want to help you as you begin this new journey of faith in Jesus Christ. Send an email to the address on the screen, pastor at trbc.org. Likewise, if you've never accepted God's free gift of salvation, the forgiveness of sins made possible by the death and resurrection of Jesus, but you'd like to know more, we're here to help you. Just reach out to us and we'd love to tell you more. Our mission at Thomas Road is to change our world by developing Christ followers who love God and love people. If you'd like to help us fulfill that mission by giving to our ministry, go to the link on your screen and make your contribution today. Help us help others with the life-changing truth of God's love.